0: music mm-hmm. Star Wars fans and Rule of the Galaxy fans, it's Joe in the pilot seat. Uh, We are starting chapter 152 of the Rule of the Galaxy podcast. Thank you so much for being with us and and staying on this ride with us. We got a bunch of our regular co-hosts with us, which we're really excited about. Uh, And we have a special guest, so we'll get to him in a minute and we're going to have a lot of fun. This is a show we're all excited about. Um, but as always, um, Brent loves when I hit the, the bullet points. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rule the Galaxy SW. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube at just Rule of the Galaxy. Uh, follow us on TikTok at Rule of the Galaxy Podcast. Uh, you can email us at RuleTheGalaxySW SW at gmail.com. And for those of you who want beautiful gear hats shirts everything else with our logo and if if you're watching on youtube right now you'll see that uh you just go to etsy.com type in rule the galaxy all one word all in caps it'll take you to our shop laura burton there will take care of you but that's our sales pitch we're going to have some fun with chapter 152 of rule the galaxy to go along with all those announcements i want to get these out of the way because i have a feeling once we get rolling we won't stop um so For those of you who know the Father Son Galaxy podcast with Keith and Kerwin, we're going to have them on a special show with uh, that father and son combo and me and my son, Joey. Joey Molinaro will be, we're going to be doing that this Sunday, so it'll be out sometime next week, so check that out if you're interested in that. Also next week, uh, the Duchess, Jessica, will be hosting the show, and we will have Jonathan Davis, Star Wars uh, audiobook narrator who with our special guest tonight has a lot in common with some things there uh, related to I believe Darth Bane and he Jonathan was also the voice of the Brotherhood book that just came out recently so always a great guest we've had him on before a couple other uh, touch points Uh, the Indiana Toy and Comic Expo will be going on August 28th in Bloomington Indiana at the Morgan County Convention Center I think Joey and I are going to go check that out. Might see if some of the other Rule of the Galaxy crew want to go check that out. Uh, so, if you're around Indiana, if you're around Bloomington, IU, things like that, check out the Indiana Toy and Comic Expo. It's all over the social media lines. Uh, last, well, second to last, but not least, the ICC Con has put out their dates. We discussed this with Matt Orman last week, and they will be May 26th through the 28th of 2023 in nashville tennessee i um, hoping that the uh well i know we're already invited back but hope to see some more of our listeners there next year now this is the last one author kevin scott i'm i'm guessing i'm pronouncing that right kevin scott um with the high republic books and so many other star wars books he has uh we've gotten some time we've got some clearance with him and in i know this is a long time away but in november after he finishes up with the book he's working on we will have Cabin Scott on, and uh, that we're looking forward to that. So all that being said and done, Chapter 152, let's go around all the guys who are fun to listen to. We'll start with Mr. Nick Shesky. How you doing, Nick?
1: Man, I'm doing great, Joe. I'm pumped to be back on, pumped to be on a show with you again. I know we've been doing, you know, hosting different weeks, but man, getting a chance to jump on with you and with Alfie, I feel like I haven't been on a show with you and literal years and so man i'm glad to be back home with you as well too uh and man just pumped to talk some star wars tonight and i'm gonna shut up because i'm more excited about our guests than (laughs) most of the guests we've had so i'll shut up and be quiet but man i'm doing well joe good to see you man
0: good good i'm glad you're enjoying the outdoor indiana weather here this evening so um d doc from philly our man d doc who made
2: this beautiful sign behind me how you doing brother doing good it sounds like my dog is barking upstairs so hopefully you can't hear that but um, yeah I just had my brother's uh, wedding over the weekend it's been crazy I got over a little bit of uh, sickness but in this wedding there was Star Wars brought up during the vows <laughs> the wow. guy the guy who was reading it my brother knows the guy too but he was talking about um, the bond between a man and a woman and then he kind of just said almost like a Jedi with the force. <laughs> and I'm just like, yes. Wow. Yeah, I, so.
3: I thought that was going to get really dark and it was going to be like <laughs> some kind of master apprentice, <laughs> Sith Lord thing. Glad it didn't go there. Yeah. Yes.
0: Do you take her? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Any Star Wars touch points in our regular everyday lives is great. That is great. Yeah. So I'm glad you're feeling better. I know last week you, you were under the weather and then the wedding and all that stuff. So, Glad you're feeling better. Um, hey, my good friend, Alfie. Alfie, how you doing, brother?
4: I'm doing good. I'm glad to be back, man. I know it's been a little while since I've been on here. It's just uh, like D-Doc, you know, uh, we've been busy, a little vacation. We've all been sick and, you know, highest to highs, lowest to lows. Well, you, uh, you were a dance dad over the last weekend, right? Uh, yeah, actually, I was for like five days. It was pretty awesome. We had a great time.
0: Man, I tell you, I I've, I've never never been to the dance events like that, but I've been to plenty of baseball, softball big events and then some show choir events, but the dancing seems to take it to another level.
4: Yeah. It was a good time. I was glad I finally got to go.
0: Good. Good. I know you work like crazy, so it's I'm yeah. glad you got a chance to do it as well. So,
4: um Well, good. one real quick thing yeah. though before we get into it though. Uh I know I talked to you a little bit about a uh, Star Wars collection that I'd gotten word of. Mm-hmm. I had to let it go. I finally got uh, some pictures and it was the original 12. Oh, yeah. Uh, all the weapons, vinyl capes, no rips. I mean, all in mint condition. And it was just, it was too much money. But uh, I've been kind of down about that, you know, as, <laughs> as we get, but uh, I, I stopped by Target on the way home. And just to lift my spirits up a little bit, I managed to snag the only Obi-Wan that they did have. That's no, better athlete, I'm
1: proud of you. I'm proud of you for knowing where your limit is. As the non-action figure guy in this group, I'm proud of your self-control and being able to go, you know what? That's too, much, too far for us to push it. It didn't take a debit card being declined. It didn't take anything. <laughs> you were able to just self-control it. Way to go, my brother.
4: I'm I'm gonna admit I didn't sleep really well that night. I, I couldn't stop thinking about it and going over it in my mind, but yeah. oh gosh. Well, I'm glad you held
0: back as well. And if I wasn't going to Italy this fall, I probably would have gone to my wife and said, Hey, um, can I can I take this off of Alfie's hands? This yeah, uh, you know, but but yeah, I've got to stock that money away because I don't want to get stuck there without any money to come home. The
4: only way they could have been better in better condition was to have been carded. Oh no yellow, like I said, no rips in the vinyls the lightsabers were still in the hands. Mm.
0: Well, I'm glad you held off. And you know what? We'll find we'll find more stuff like that on our further adventures. Yeah. So um and I was
4: really surprised to find all that at Target. They had a, a full Kenobi selection there. Wow. Man for a few seconds. I picked up uh <laughs> Vader and Kenobi, and when I went to put the Vader back, it was all gone.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, that is Star Wars in a Target and Walmart right now. So, right. you know, it is what it is. Um, And D-Doc is talking about his dog barking and now my dog's outside my door saying, Dad, you're in there. I want to be in there with you. Sorry, we're going to have to let him sit out there. But enough of us. <clears throat> For you regular Star uh, Rule of the Galaxy listeners, you hear us talk all the time. Tonight, we have a special guest. Uh, Mr. Drew Carpition like musician, like suspicion, is with us tonight. And I can tell you that, um, for Nick, for Alfie, myself, uh, for Brent Dykman, who's not here, those the books that he's written related to Star Wars are some of our Mount Rushmore books. So to have him on our show means a lot. And Drew, I, I'm just gonna let you take the wheel here. Thank you for being a part of the show. Welcome, and how are you doing?
3: Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, really happy to be here with you, uh, with y'all. I can say y'all now. I live in Texas, so <laughs> been here. 13 years. So I think I'm legally allowed. Sorry. It's, it's all y'all because there's more than three of you. That's okay. what they explained to me y'all and then all y'all. So I'm happy to be here with all y'all. Um, yeah. Great. Do things are going great. Uh, my Kickstarter that I, I've been running for my new novel, uh, time Kings of Las Vegas. It's uh, it's cracked 15,000 now. So it's going great. You know, it's fully funded. Um, wow. Actually funded after only four days. So that was great. Um, you know, hopefully people will check it out. It's a good science fiction, fun story. And if you go to the Kickstarter, I have a bunch of bonus reward packages that include signed copies of my Star Wars novels. Oh, so okay. if you want like a signed Darth <clears throat> Bane with the new cover, like the uh, the new covers that they've got, you know, you can get that in one of the packages. Um, there's a new Revan cover coming out as well. Uh, I think it's coming in November. And uh, those are available as well. Although you're going to have to wait till November to get the Revan part of that package. Um, the rest of them should be shipping in October, but yeah. So if you're a star Wars fan, definitely check it out. Um, lots of cool stuff there. Uh, you know, all autographed, um, it's all going to be, you know, mint off the shelf stuff. It's not going to be stuff I've had lying around my, my garage for a year or anything like that. Um, And if, you know, if there's any real crazy fans out there, you can even get the VIP packages where I'll meet you in Vegas, go for dinner, I'll buy dinner to do interviews. I give you copies of all my books. It's a good good deal. So
1: hopefully people will check it out.
0: You know, my daughter's 21st birthday is next year. And our plan for her (laughs) is she's the youngest. She's our baby. um, And our plan is to try to take all of us out to Vegas for her 21st. So I might look into that package. It might be a year from now, but I still might. Try to take you up on that. Um, well,
3: and, and if you don't, just let me know, because I go to Vegas like five, <laughs> six times a year. That's partly why I wrote this book, The Time Kings of Las Vegas, because uh, I just wanted a reason I could maybe expense some of my trips. So I thought if I can do a business proposition, we'll see. See if the accountant lets me uh, expense those blackjack losses. Probably not.
4: Well, sounds b- like we're going to Vegas. <laughs>
3: <laughs> awesome.
0: Um, so I tell you what, before we get into all the things you've done, with this Kickstarter kicking off and, and it being a science fiction novel, without getting too deep and giving us the ending, obviously, what are some juicy details you can give us of why we should, besides it being from you, which everybody right. knows you're gonna write a good book, what what are some good things about this that we should know going into uh, the Time Kings of Las Vegas?
3: Well, it's a, it's a little different than the Star Wars novels. Uh, it, it is science fiction, but it's modern day contemporary set in modern day Vegas. Um, Like I said, I go to Vegas five, six times a year. This is my love letter to Sin City. Sin City for me is just the most exciting, fun, crazy, wild place. And this is a chance for me to imagine if I had basically superpowers, what would it be like for me in Vegas? If I could use some kind of, I'll say magic, but it's not magic because there's like a science fiction underlying this. Uh, You know, if I had some way to beat the damn casinos, this is how I would do it. So this is my book imagining how I could do it. Of course, people, anyone who's read my stuff knows I tend to get a little dark, so the mob gets involved. You have some Area 51 conspiracy. Obviously, things do not go as planned for our main character, um, and I think people are really going to like it. It's just a fun action uh, novel, a lot of humor, some, some pretty dark characters, uh, some pretty sinister characters. Uh, definitely, I'd say a couple of them are full-on dark side, uh, which... So, so it seems to be in my vein. I just write. That's it, what all I write, right?
0: You hit that well in your books. I can tell you that. And and I will say, between having uh, Mark Thompson and Jonathan Davis on in the past, you had the right guys read the you know do the audio versions of those books. They hit those notes perfect.
3: They did a great job. I, I mean, I, I would love to take credit for that, but I don't make that decision. <laughs> but it's yeah, they they just got the great um, timber quality, whatever you want to say, just that nice dark. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, no, it's fun to listen to your own books on audio. I, I I will say it's, it's kind of neat to hear someone else reading your words way better than you can ever read them yourself. Honestly.
0: I, I think, I think, yeah, that would be uh, a very wild thing to our friend, Nick Shesky here. Who's who's co-host. He wrote a short story, a star Wars short story happening uh, right around the new hope era. Right. 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 Before, after that, Nick, I can't remember. That's accurate.
1: Uh, it's it's five short stories. Yeah. During the time between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. There now, Joe uses that you wrote short stories. I dabbled during COVID because I didn't <laughs> have anything else going on. That's what that's what that was. So we'll uh, we'll table it at that.
0: Well, but you know, with us having jo- uh, Jonathan and Mark on in the past, I I think I'm I'm trying to push him behind the scenes, and Jonathan's already said yes, but now I've, no, I've, I've got to get Mark. To, to do a little reading you know to maybe uh read one of the short stories in their voices considered
1: a kickstarter nick i'm just saying <laughs> hey i've not considered it i need to start considering it i guess
0: um so one thing i will tell you is um i here i am i'm a guy who devoured all the star wars novels i i read everything except i never jumped in on the darker novels i was a like, I was, you know, unicorns, rainbows, happiness. I wanted the force to always be good and Jedi always to win. And then my friend Nick here said, when we started the podcast, man, you, you got to check out, you got to check out these Bane and Revan books. And I'm like, I know Nick, but I, you know, I'm not, I'm happy. I, I don't want to get in that dark stuff. <laughs> and then and then he and I have done shows, uh, recapping the novels on, on here on our podcast and, and again, I, it went from being like, oh, here's the Thrawn trilogy, and it's the only thing that I hold up here, and now it's like, well, now I've got that, and I've got the Bane trilogy, and I've got, and and I was blown away, and it took me a long time, so I apologize to you, because I should have bought the books a long time ago, but uh, I've, I've read them, I've listened to them on audiobook now, and and I just, they're, they're some of my favorite Star Wars that's out there, so um if you don't mind, guys, before I jump in, any quick questions from all the stuff we've covered so far? I, I, I'm, I don't mean to be
1: grabbing hold of it. Go ahead, Nick. Well, I don't know if it's as much of a question as it is a thank you. Um, <laughs> I feel like I should be calling you Mr. For oh God, how I, I, I won't do it, I promise. But um, So I, I've talked about it at nauseam on this podcast and what we've done. In 2005, when Revenge of the Sith came out, uh, I'm dating myself, but I was in seventh or eighth grade and I watched that movie and I came home and I was morbidly depressed because that was it like there was nothing else that was as far as we go they're not making any more Star Wars and I went to bed that night I woke up the next morning I said well if that's it there has to be other Star Wars somewhere else and so I went to my public library and I got as much Star Wars stuff as I could possibly find and just started checking in out of the library and one of the ones that I checked out was a graphic novel um mm. and it was Jedi versus Sith uh yeah. and it was the you know uh Tom uh mm-hmm. rain now, and this is where i, I, I do have a question because i'm i'm curious yeah. of what preceded what because i just don't know <laughs> what preceded but it was the graphic novel of basically bane before the thought bomb yeah you know kind of coming out and, and doing this and then shortly after that the novel i picked up and i read was uh you know path of destruction mm-hmm. right at the very beginning. And I was like, wait a minute, where have I, I feel like I've read this before. And it was, oh wait, I have read this before. This was, in, this was in the graphic. So like every time that I read that book series, now I have the graphic novel in that as well. I'm so curious from your, you know, how did that process even start? Was that something that already existed that you jumped onto? Was so, that, yeah, tell me everything. Yeah,
3: so the, for those who don't know, those comics actually do predate the, the Bane novels. Um, story uh, that I wrote. Um, And the the novels uh, are told from the perspective of of, um, the main characters are mostly the children who get swept up in the Jedi versus Sith war. But I'd say the last third of the Bane novel is sort of a retelling of those comics. A lot of the similar events. Um, Bane is more of a background character in the comics. I mean, he's there, but he's not the primary character. Um, Just to give people some perspective because i know the comics are not very well known actually sure. um they were written first and uh what happened the way i got the whole bane gig for want of a better term was uh i was coming off of um kotor knights of the old republic the video game yeah. uh, where i was the lead writer and uh, obviously it had done really well uh i think it came out in 2003 everything's a blur it's been a long time <laughs> Two, 2002 2003 came out had a lot of success obviously we, we re- did really well um, and I was writing some books on the side and I approached the Star Wars people. I'd technically approached them before uh, at Gen Con um, when it was still in Milwaukee uh, or Wisconsin, uh, sorry. Was it in Milwaukee, Geneva? And uh, I'd said to them, I'm working on this video game. I've written books. I'd love to write Star Wars novels. And they kind of went, yeah, yeah, we'll get back to you, we'll get back to you. And then after the game became a big hit, they came to me and said, hey, this Old Republic stuff you guys are doing is great. We don't have any Old Republic stuff. Can you do something for us? And that's when I kind of said, well, I'm really interested in exploring the Sith. At the time, there wasn't a lot of Sith stuff. Um, And, you know, talked to them about some potential stuff. And uh, I was familiar with the comics. And I said, you know, I think there's more I can do with. Darth Bane, and I think he's a really fascinating character, and his impact on the, you know, the Star Wars universe is huge. Um, so I, you know, came up with some ideas, pitched them, some ideas, and they were like, "Great, we love it, run with it." Um, and then I just tried to make sure I tied it in the comics as best I could, so that uh, you know, I, I always want to try and respect other source material within the Star Wars universe. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of the things. You know, you're always working with other people's stuff, and they're working with your stuff, and. You want to try to treat it with respect so that's uh that's how i got into that so the comics did predate the books wow go ahead alfie okay
4: so as i was doing research for this you know i I read those novels quite a while ago but i was re-looking over some uh quick notes i did not realize that you were the lead writer on the knights of the old republic game Uh at that moment, I threw everything away because it, it, that blew my mind. I hate that Brent is not here because Brent is a, hes always saying he wants something new, and to you to not be in the time when that game came out to realize how new that story was. I mean, I, I can remember seeing a trailer. I think maybe it's Celebration Two or somewhere like that. Uh, I know that's kind of a, that that's really dating myself right? to that you, we didn't used to just sit around and watch trailers for video games and movies <laughs> nonstop because you couldn't do it. But that was like, you were talking about your desire to write about the Sith. That was like one of the first big immersions into the Sith story. And it just really blew me away. And those characters are still around in a game that I played today, you know, uh, Karth and Jahani uh, Revan, light and dark. I mean, i i would just like to know more about what you know how detailed were you allowed to get into that story and did you have plans you know or see the potential of expanding on the reven story just from that game
3: yeah so that game was uh it was the first game i was actually a lead writer on um i'd only been in video games writing for a few years before we got that chance um and I, i will have to say i have to give a lot of credit to uh the entire writing team, but there's two people in particular that I want to call out. Um, so the first is a, a writer named David Gator. He's done a lot of Bioware stuff. A lot of people know him as the lead writer from the Dragon Age series. Uh, he was actually the one who came up with the Sith code. It wasn't me. A lot of people think I did. I'm like, no, nope, I I just stole that right from David. Um, he came up with it for the planet Korriban when you go there. And he basically just took the Jedi code and kind of, you know, gave the, the mirror image of it, the flip side of it. Um, so that's one thing I will call out. Dave, David did a great job with that. Uh, and the other one person for COTOR I want to call out is a man named James Olin, who, uh, was one of the key founders, uh, at Bioware, creative director, still doing a lot of work. Um, still currently my boss at a company called Archetype. We're working on some science fiction games that I can't really say anything about. Um, but, uh, but James was the ultimate Star Wars nerd. We played Star Wars Trivial Pursuit with him. And he just run the board like he just gets thing, and you're like, okay, we're done. He just he would never get a question wrong. Just it's a matter of how many rolls it takes him to finish getting around the board and get all the pie pieces. Um, so I, I do want to say like I didn't do it all on my own, but uh, you know when we got the opportunity, we knew right away we wanted to do something in the Old Republic. Um, again, they had the comics out, but there wasn't much else out there, and we just thought it was a really fresh and different take on star wars a way to explore it but still feel true to the core star wars experience um most of us had grown up when the original trilogy came out in theaters Uh, i was uh six when the first movie came out it's one of the first movies i vaguely remember seeing yeah my mom i remember standing outside a theater in my mind there's like ten thousand people but i was six years old so you know probably wasn't that many but i just remember being in line and slowly like working our way toward the front of the theater as we went our way in. So uh, and then I would, you know, for Halloween, I went as a Jawa and then I went as a Tusken Raider. And then I went as a Jawa and then I went as a Tusken Raider and then I went as Darth Vader. Um, so we just wanted to capture that, that same sense of magic that we felt when we saw Star Wars for the first time. And uh, we felt going into the Old Republic was the best way to do that because it gave us the freedom to just tell stories that didn't have to tie into the films directly mm-hmm. and we were really lucky the team at uh lucas arts at the time uh was the the branch of the lucas empire or it was their game division and they basically said yeah tell the story you want to tell do what you want to do um you know they they, they were smart enough i'll say to step out <laughs> of our way and let us do our thing which uh if anyone's worked in video games they know that's sometimes very rare so you know, we had a really good opportunity, and uh, I'd like to think we made the most of it. But yeah, it was uh, it was a blast working on it. And uh, I, I do remember toward the end putting in some really long hours on the game. You know, testing it, playing it before we're going to ship, and just thinking to myself like, "Man, we have a home run here. We have knocked it out of the park." And that sounds arrogant, but you know, as a fan of Star Wars, like testing the game and playing it, I'm like this. And this just gives me what I want. This is still a here. Star Wars game.
0: Yeah. I mean, how many people still are playing those games 20 years later, right? It just got
1: re-released, didn't it? And they're They're, still making, like, visual cinematic trailers. Yeah. (laughs) Which are stunning, um, beautiful, and amazing.
0: Go ahead, D. They're
2: redoing it uh, for next-gen consoles right now, if I'm not mistaken. I I don't think it has. Yeah. Yeah. So they had that, you know, they had that trailer with Revan that was, like, incredible. I mean, it looked (laughs) amazing, so... I guess they're just going to be remaking the game to your exact story again. Well, I, I,
3: see, I'm not involved with it, so I don't really know. Um, I know a few people who are involved <laughs> in the project, but we're pretty careful about not talking shop because you know we don't want yeah. to accidentally say something that gets anyone in trouble, so we're always super careful. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting well, to see what they come up with, yeah. We
0: have, um, we obviously, the four of us, have plenty of questions for you and we're going to zoom through those but at the same time as as you know drew from you and i on social media we were asking people for questions and uh first one i'll read is uh from zane palmer zane Zane also is an author and and you know what I, i know authors like to support other authors zane has uh his second book it's called crude space uh that will be available november 29th of this year so for, uh, for that uh, Crude Space, November 29th, 2022, from Zane Palmer. Check that out. Go, go look it up. Uh, always good to support you know, uh, aspiring authors. Uh, but he asked, and I think we've asked, answered some of this, but there's probably some things we, we, we didn't hit completely. When did you start writing Time Kings of, of Las Vegas, and what are you working on next?
3: Uh, so Time Kings of Las Vegas have actually been kicking around for several years. Um, I talk about it a little bit on the Kickstarter, but it was something I've been working on for quite a long time. It, it was just the thing I did in the background that was different than my normal video game style uh, franchise work. So Star Wars, Mass Effect, the things I'm most known for. I've done a lot of books and games. Uh, and this was sort of my escape from that. It was a different type of story uh, in that it was modern day. Of course, it's still science fiction. I, I, I mean... I love right. sci-fi, so I'm not going to go too far out of my comfort zone. Um, and I kind of have been working on that book off and on for several years and uh, just kind of never really felt like there was a home for it. You know, um, it's very easy to get put into a box. And I, I mean, a lot of people know me as the old Republic guy. I'm OK with that. There's worse things to be, believe me. <laughs> I kind of like being the old Republic right. guy. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just wasn't sure, you know, if people would want to do it if publishers would wanna be interested in it. And then I finally just decided, you know what? I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go on Kickstarter. I'm gonna take a shot and uh, just see if fans wanna support it. And luckily it's worked out great. I've gotten a lot of support. Like I say, fully funded it in the first those four days. Um, So yeah, I've been kicking that around for quite a while. And uh, it was really just a matter of getting the courage to put it out there, which for any writer uh, is tough. Um, So, you know, Nick, I don't know if you've released your
1: stories anywhere.
3: (laughs) I know how it is as a writer. You're always like,
1: ah, I still need to fix them up, but they are fun. they are very much hidden on the hard drive. I've, so, read, them. I've read some. Joe's read them. <laughs> we're we're about uh, you know three fourths of the way through the second story, so yeah. we're uh, we're figuring it out. It's my uh, it's my guilty pleasure, if you will. Yeah.
0: There you go. Um, any new questions, Alfie, D Doc, Nick? Before I hit with another one. Okay. So I'll I'll get you with one question or or just bounce on some things um and then and then we'll we'll just bounce another question off of a follower uh, on social media but um you're born in Edmonton, is that correct? Edmonton,
3: you, Alberta, Canada.
0: Are you are you a big hockey
3: fan? So I grew up with the Oilers when Wayne Gretzky was there, Mark Messier was there, the glory mm-hmm. years winning all the cups. Uh so I was a huge hockey fan and I'll be honest, I think I got really spoiled because when <laughs> You know, the Oilers were averaging one year that the Oilers alone averaged five goals a game as a team. And then the scoring really dropped in the 90s. Um, You know, the New Jersey Devils started playing the trap and I kind of drifted away from uh, from hockey. Uh, You know, I've been watching it a little bit recently. I'll watch the playoffs. Uh, Oilers are starting to be a little bit relevant again. Um, But I've shifted more to uh, basketball and the NBA and the Spurs okay um, it's another nice team to get on and uh interestingly you probably have more of a question there but one of my favorite moments was when the spurs uh were still winning their championships with tim duncan and that uh there was a game i think they were playing might have been oklahoma city and uh when they go to announce the teams they always you know dim the lights play some music and for the spurs they played the imperial march because we uh-huh. were the the evil, dark side, you know. And I just was like, oh, this is perfect. I love it. I love it. <laughs> this is so good.
1: That's awesome.
0: That is great. That is great. Um, we'll, we'll bounce to another listener here. Um, Adam Bomber on Twitter. Uh, Drew, do you have any thoughts on the animated take of Darth Bane in the uh, the later or the end of Clone Wars, the animated series? What did you think about that take on, I guess, so, the ghost or specter yeah, of Darth Bane?
3: Yeah, my... my... My interpretation of that is, I, I mean, I don't know what, this is my interpretation, I don't know what the official sure. thing is. I don't know what, like, Dave Filoni himself would say. Um, I believe I believe uh, he was sort of the, the main driver behind that. Um, for me, it was, it wasn't, it was more a manifestation of what Yoda believed the dark side was, as opposed to actually Darth Bane's spirit. That's how I interpret it. Because it didn't quite go in with what, uh, you know, looks a little different. Um, so that that was sort of my interpretation. Um, an interesting thing is originally they were going to have uh, Revan and Bane in that scene. Wow, um, there's. I think if you dig around on the internet, there's some like concept art from it and some storyboarding. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, actually, I don't think it was that episode. I think they were going to do it earlier, and then the idea fell away, and then they kind of re re upped the idea um, with that Clone Wars uh, episode. Um, you know, later on, but, uh, but I, I, always like when, when it's called out in other media or other, you know, other people noticing it, that's, that's the nice thing about star Wars is it's this universe that goes in all directions with all these other people. So whenever they allude to something I've worked on, mm-hmm. or call it out or reference it, I always get a little bit of a, like, uh, you know, yay, <laughs> a little <laughs> thrill from that. So.
1: You got it, Nick, go ahead. I'm, I'm not giving up hope that this new season of The Mandalorian, which we've seen so much of just on, and, and I say we've seen so much of, I've seen so much of because Alfie has sent me Reddit clips over and over and over again <laughs> um, of trailers that have been leaked and stuff. And, you know, the bombed out dome of the Sundari and stuff like that. I am I am holding out hope because Revan was so closely tied with Mandalore that there's going to be some sort of tie-in at some point, even if it's like a... like. Like, Drew, you need to know that I will be in Indiana fist bumping if at some point, <laughs> you know, Revan gets mentioned in Mandalorian, you well, know, in some capacity.
3: There, there was a small uh, uh, tribute that uh, was pointed out. A couple of people um, who I, I worked with, there's actually James Owen, I mentioned him before. He's the one who actually kind of noticed it first in, um, I, I don't remember which episode, but it's in the Mandalorian. I think it's the episode with Timothy Oliphant where they actually have to kill a a crate Dragon and they use explosives. That was one of our quests in the original code game. And so we're, cause we were watching it going, okay, this is weirdly familiar. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, okay, that that can't be a coincidence. That has to be an homage to us. That's how I interpret it. (laughs) I'm interpreting it as a nice little homage to us, a nice little nod. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you. I'll take that.
1: Captive. Which is so cool because we had John Jackson Miller on the show as well, too, for the Kenobi series. And the whole time we were talking, I just kept trying to push back like, but wait, so you watched the Mandalorian, right? Like the whole first two episodes were literally your book. Like you watched that, right? And he was like, no, haven't seen it. Not, uh-huh. not totally sure what you're talking about. And that's so cool to hear, man, when we see that, we're like, yeah, I remember that we did that. That's cool. You yeah, know, that's awesome.
0: Alfie, it looked like you were going to say something. Did you have
4: something yeah, up in your head? Because in the game, didn't you get the pearl when you completed the quest? I, I believe you did. But again, we're talking 20 years ago. For right. Me, so same here. Yeah. But because when I saw that scene, that's what I, I thought of. I remember that mission and yeah. getting the pearl.
0: Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> as you guys know, a lot of us here on the show are big into collecting the action figures. <clears throat> so I look at it. And I am, I am so torn because I'm trying to purchase wisely, but I, I'm so desperately now wanting the dark and the light Revan. And Mm -hmm. I can't remember which one of you guys beat me to one of them at it, Alfie, beat me to it. (laughs) Yeah, he got the dark. And I think one of our listeners, Tom Lyon, got the light version of Mm -hmm. Revan. So here I was looking going, oh, I, they both, yeah, okay. Um, But those characters are absolutely so well done i mean the six inch black version of revan both light and dark just blow me away Um, i uh
3: i don't know if you can see it no it's just out of frame on my camera let me see if i can get him in there uh you probably can't see him beside the darth vader with the metal around his neck and the potato head. (laughs) yeah yeah but there's a revan figure over there on the back of my uh back of my shelf there too so yeah i have all sorts of (laughs)
0: so I I do I do have a question for you though and it's related to the books and it's related to action figures I haven't dug deep enough into this but you know I was at a time in my life when these books came out and and I was older and I had kids and I was spending my money on school and ball teams and everything else so I missed about a decade plus 15 years of buying action figures right it's just like you, out of sight out of mind you know it's like i've got too many other things i'm grown up now and i can't have time to do this but of course covid rekindled all that for all of us i think it allowed us to have free time was there ever a uh lord hoth or a valentine farfalla action figure made do you know
1: and did- i
3: don't know i don't believe so so in the comics this is one of the 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 times I didn't stay the source material. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Forfalla has, he's basically like half goat. Everything below the waist is a goat. He's got hooves, he's got like furry legs and it, I, I, you know, the artists, whatever, yeah. it's never really called out. It's just there if you look. Now you don't see it a lot because a lot of times you don't see the full body of the character. Uh, and in the books, as I said to people, I never said he didn't have goat legs. I just don't. <laughs> mention his legs um but i feel like if there had been a figure like that like it like everyone would know about it like it's just so strange yeah. it, it almost would be like mythical like the star wars christmas special you're just like what the hell is going on here <laughs> like why has this guy got goat legs so i'm suspecting there wasn't or people would all be it would be something that comes up all the time when people talk about
0: it and and being a light side guy I was okay. drawn to those characters that first book right away. I was like, these these are the guys I'm going to be rooting for. Right. And then Not I found right. out, just like watching the, yeah, just what, just like watching the Americans, mm-hmm. where you're thinking we shouldn't root for these two Russian spies, but by right. the end of Americans, I was rooting for them. Just like in this book in these books, I was rooting for Bane and Zana. It, it just it totally did a mind flip on me there. So, um,
1: but yeah, go ahead, Nick. I'm so glad you mentioned the goat legs because the first time I read it, again, I had read the comics before and I'm reading it going, he didn't say anything about the goat legs. (laughs) Like he didn't like, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) But I actually appreciated the interpretation that you put in there as well, because it felt like when I read the comic, the first time I was like, wait a minute, this is like, we're reading the Chronicles of Narnia right now. And he's a fawn that's (laughs) just like running around in Star Wars, like we, we've, we've bridged too many gaps here. So I, I agree with you, you're right. If that yeah. character existed, that would be the most sought after oh. action figure because where else do you see any sort of alien species like that?
3: Well, I don't know how, how familiar you are with some of the really old comics. I think they were even Marvel, not the graphic mm-hmm. novels, but actual mm-hmm. comics. And yeah. if you're not familiar with it, look up Jack's the rabbit. Oh yeah. Jackson, so, one of my I favorites. Mean, Star Wars. There's some weird, like especially in the early days. <laughs> right. There's some stuff that is out there. It is like yeah. out there.
0: I think. Well, I was gonna say. D-Doc, I sent him. Yeah. I sent him Jackson. Yeah.
3: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Jack's the rabbit. Oh my god, that is amazing.
0: Um. Yeah. Awesome. Anybody? I was gonna go to another listener question. You got
2: a question, D Doc? Go ahead. Yeah, and I. This might be like you know out of left field a little bit, but like when I I'm. These guys introduced me to the EU. So as I said before, I'm currently listening to the audiobooks of Darth Bane. <clears throat> Do you have, say, imagine that there was a movie ever made about it. Did you ever have an actor in mind who would play Bane? Because as well, I'm listening to it, I'm just picturing Tom Hardy who played Bane in the Batman movies. But for some reason, I'm just like, this is Tom Hardy the whole time.
3: Yeah, a lot of people said that. So when they first came out, a lot of people at the time, because it was still... He he wasn't as old. A lot of people said Clancy Brown, who was uh, the main uh, villain in the old Highlander movie. Um, really? Yeah. So I don't know if people remember him. Um, He's been in some other stuff too. Uh, he was a, a very popular choice. You know, good deep voice, tall, menacing looking. Um, I mean, I'm like, look, Bane is this like giant muscular bald man. I'm <laughs> like, well, obviously it's got to be the Rock. I mean. <laughs> Walk to evil? i don't know let's find out so
2: <laughs> bringing the rock um, into star wars would but, be but incredible. tom hardy's oh.
3: also i mean part of me is like well he already did a bane a different yeah. Bane. so i'm like maybe he should just do all the banes right like, <laughs> yeah
0: i love it i love it uh i'll hop into another question this one looks like it's from the knights of the old republic and i so i don't know much about this one at all but Emma Thrax, and I think you saw this, Drew, Emma, Th- Emma Thrax asked about, uh, I was wondering if Drew could speak more about Jehani's portrayal with her mm. friend, Belaya, uh, and female Revan. Uh, quite a bit of her romance dialogue was cut, but is still in the game files. I don't know if it was part of a treading carefully or other reasons. And again, yeah. this is a new one for me because I, I've I've never played any of the games, so- but I've read the novels.
3: Yeah, so I don't know what the official position of Bioware is or was. Um, Bioware's always been very big on inclusion. We're trying to always push borders. Um, Big on inclusion. Uh, And keep in mind, this was 2002, uh, maybe 2001 when we were making this. And keep in mind, Star Wars is very uh, risk-averse with romance stuff. Um, So we wanted to have... Juhani, uh, basically the gay character, but we had to be very, very subtle about it to the point where a lot of people... We we thought we were subtle enough and we were kind of told, no, (laughs) not subtle enough. So we had to pull stuff out. So honestly, I thought we pulled so much out that nobody would ever get it. But obviously that was not the case because a lot of people kind of picked up on those little clues. And then once people were able to dig into the files, they were able to find stuff you know that was sort of left over um so it was something at the time we kind of wanted to push and i don't honestly know whether it was internal because we were worried what someone would say or it was external and we tried to get it you know i don't know who pushed us away from it so i don't want to blame anyone or say anything it sure, was, no unfortunately that's just the way it went um, but yeah a lot of people see that so you know um i i I don't know if we can fully take credit for like opening the door to having a gay character in Star Wars because we kind of didn't, but we kind of thought about it, so I don't know. That, that that was just sort of the way we go. Um, it was interesting, though, that it's sort of in the same vein, but not quite. Um, anyone who's read the, the Bane novels, uh, at the end of the second novel, there's a, an incredibly graphic, gruesome scene that the Jedi stumble across when they find the remains of the big battle, and it mm-hmm. was... Like serial killer crazy, and I wrote it going, they're gonna totally make me change this, not a word. But Zana, as uh, in her undercover missions, she was seducing a character, and I had one scene where she grabbed him and pulled him down onto a bed. End of the scene, like it just ends, and they were like, no, she can't, she can't pull him onto a bed. And I was like, really? They're like, they can kiss, but they have to stay standing. And I was like, wow. But the but the decapitations and stuff are good. And they're like, yeah. yeah fine so so there was some funny you know and, and i mean I, I get it they're trying to hit a certain i don't know if demographics is the right word but they're trying to sort of remain family friendly but i'm like boy well, stars is a lot of like arm chopping and dismembering and severed limbs i'm like yeah maybe you're maybe you're looking at the wrong things
0: you got it alfie d doc or nick any questions going across there
4: yeah, uh real quick, you know, talking about uh influences. I I've, I've always wondered how uh because I consider it to be one of the best endings to a video game. How did that ending to the original Knights of the Old Republic come about? I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, right. but I mean, like you said, it's this is a 20 year old game, but yeah. I mean yeah, yeah as yeah, far as, as the ending it. goes, that that revelation at the end was a shocker.
3: Yeah. And, so, I mean, we, the, the, again, the original idea for that twist, uh, was James Olin. Um, he, he was, our relationship was often James would have an idea and then I had to make it come to life. Um, that's how I look at our relationships or, or me and the rest of the writing team. Um, but then the way we executed it, we did have actually a specific inspiration it was shortly after the movie, the sixth sense had come out. So I don't know if people are familiar with that movie again, you know, are we spoiling something that's, 25 years old at this point 23 years old I don't know but um the ending of the sixth sense did a lot of cinematic techniques they cut back to things that had happened before the way they did their revelation that reminded you of all the clues that were there setting it up I love that I thought that was just amazing and at the time it was mind-blowing it was so mind-blowing that movies do it so much now that viewers go in expecting a twist it's really hard to surprise viewers at this point um but at the time, twists were less expected. Yeah. Um, I think now, if we if we released Kotor, people way more people would would see the twist coming really early because it feels like it's been done uh, a lot of times now. People are just more used to those kinds of things. Um, but we we really looked at the way the Sixth Sense had had done it and the techniques they used, the narrative techniques, the cinematic techniques, um, and we really wanted to lean into that. Um, and I'm really pleased now. If people go and watch the video on YouTube or something like that, I mean, it's a 20-year-old video game, right? The graphics are not there. There's a lot of, you know, you it's dated. You can tell. But uh, I still think it's pretty effective. And at the time, um, you know, it really was sort of cutting edge type stuff, uh, the way we combined the narrative for the game and the revelation and, uh, you know, brought it home. So, uh, you know, kudos to our cinematics team and uh, and everyone who's involved in that, uh, making it. Really, really
1: land. Nick, go ahead. Okay, so in that same vein, if you read the final book, Dynasty of Evil, right? That's <laughs> the that's the final one. And I'm I'm gonna yeah. throw this
0: in, Nick, real quick. One, if you go to Drew's website, by the way. Yes, I know. You, yeah, you for those who are listening, Nick's gonna ask this question, go to his site because his site is awesome. He says what's on his mind and he'll just tell you, Dagan, if you don't like it. Go on to the next thing. I love how blunt right. you are in your site. Go ahead, Nick.
1: And I love how blunt it is, and I love where it's at. <laughs> I know that we're going to have people that are not going to go to the website and check it out. At the same point, I'm assuming that the response that you wrote, so at the very end of the book, there's this moment, and again, spoiler, whatever, <laughs> screw it. There's this moment where where, you're left grasping, going, wait a minute, did Bane just possess Xana? Mm-hmm. And is he now, you know, owning her body, right? Mm -hmm. Fast forward to, uh, goodness, Rise of Skywalker. Right. Now we have, you know, I am the Sith. I'm all the Sith that I've ever been. I know you wrote the article and you wrote, you said, you know, Mm -hmm. what you said. I'm curious for you. Are there any new thoughts as to when you write this? Did he actually, was that her? Or was, or excuse me, was that him? Or was that her? So, you know what I'm saying?
3: For me, I'll, I'll tell you flat out. Now, maybe the book will get written, maybe it won't. I, From my vein of thinking, what it was, was it was Xana, but there was a part of Bane, of Bane had been infected her, corrupted. Right. Like, it was there was a part there. So my plan, if they ask me for a sequel, and maybe they still will, so maybe I'm spoiling it, but... It's been a long time. I don't let's know hope so.
1: Let's me. hope so, Drew. Yeah. Come
3: on, let's hang on but, to it. But for me, a lot of that was going to be that part getting stronger and stronger, and her trying to find a way to
0: hmm.
3: rid herself of it or control it. Or, you know, that wasn't the whole story, but that was going to be a big part of the story was this, you know, how much of him is still in there, how direct it is, you know, how is it a consciousness? Is it, um, you know, is it just a sensation or is he like physically hmm. in there? trying to bust out, um, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting because I, I play with that a little bit in, um, my chaos born novels as well, which is the fantasy series I wrote there's a character who you think is destroyed, but is actually trapped inside, uh, this talisman and they start trying to take over another character. And I, I actually really enjoyed writing it. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I'm not the only person who's written something like that. Obviously this has been done before in literature. Um, but it really kind of made me wish that I had gotten a chance to do that with the Bane series, um, as well with those characters. So, you know, I kind of was like, well, you won't let me do it in star Wars. I'm going to do it in my own book, write my own series.
0: Ah." (laughs) Um, so a couple things on this one, I think all of us agree. Um, if Kathleen Kennedy, if Lucasfilm was looking for a next trilogy or something, Darth Bane, those novels don't conflict with anything that we know of in any of the current stuff. So I'm just throwing in my two cents worth that if anybody from Lucasfilm is listening, because we have Drew on tonight, every Star Wars fan would say, go make this into a trilogy and every Star Wars fan will be happy. Um, you know,
3: I'm going to second that and I will also add in, you know, it's it's a very different look at the way the light and dark side work. And you're right, right, it doesn't affect any of the current movies be a great standalone you know eight episode series
2: true
0: i agree i agree now just the other saying thing.
3: i'm here Anyone? Uh,
0: <laughs> um i'd with- love to see Revan too yes 100 um I'll, I'll stick with xana and then we can go on to Revan as well but for me xana i'll ask the question nick asked do you do you picture somebody in your head as who would play that character in a movie and then two I think anybody who's read those books and seen the mind games mm-hmm. that XANA can play on characters is some of the most harsh, real n- D-Doc, prepare yourself. Because some of the scenes.
1: Terrifying. Yeah, literally terrifying.
0: Scary stuff in a Star Wars book. XANA is it. So I think a great character for future films. And Star Wars is doing a great job with Jen Erso, Ray ahsoka there are some great females but again all more leaning towards the light right. bring me a dark xanda like this and i think it would just boom so one thank you for making that scary terrifying xanda character but do you see any any person you envision as being that character if they ever made a movie
3: yeah it's tough for me because i just start naming like actresses that i like um, stuff like <laughs> done i mean uh anna taylor joy is just amazing and everything um she might be getting a little too old, which sounds crazy, but Zana's pretty young. Um, yeah. Uh, the other one, uh, Haley Stanfield, um, oh. I like a lot. She's oh. done a lot of really good stuff, um, t- and she was in the the recent Marvel um, Hawkeye. uh yeah. I believe she was in Hawkeye. But the thing that for me kind of sells it is if she can do dark, it's going to sound funny. But if anyone has watched Dickinson on Apple TV, mm-hmm. it's this weird comedy thing about Emily Dickinson, who's this you know, famous American poet, very Gothic. Um, I thought there's a lot of stuff in there uh, that I was like, oh, she can do some dark stuff. It's interesting. So um, I, I think she would be a great pick. Um, but it, but honestly, they might be better off. A lot of times they, they seem to do their best when they find someone who isn't as well known. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you look at sort of the newer stuff, uh, like say Daisy Ridley, I, I mean, I know she had done stuff, but she wasn't, that level of famous right? right it kind of allows characters to inhabit the star wars character rather than you seeing them as someone playing them
0: right do you, yeah. do so going into that incredible mind power that she had was there anything that came to you i mean because this was a brand new power that we've not mm-hmm. seen any jedi or sith or jedi use did anything come to you or like how did it come to you to say this is what we're going to give her as the special gift she has
3: yeah, I just wanted something that felt different. Um, I also want something that thematically tied into, um, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the planet. Na- not Nath. oh man. Wow, this is terrible. This happens to me all the time with my own stuff. Everyone Nick, makes fun of me, Alfred, but you guys I'm like, this. you gotta remember I've done 14 books and 10 video games and I have 19 versions of those in my head because what you see is the final version. I'm writing versions, so it's a mess. Um, Nathema? No. Uh,
0: uh, is it? Was it in one of the books? I'll find it. You go ahead. Whatever the
3: planet that the final battle takes on, okay, um, is is you know infused with dark side energy. So I wanted her to be able to tap into that in a way that was unique as well. Um, wow, that's terrible. Ambria. Ambria. Yeah. I yeah. Think. and then the lake. Uh, there's like a dark side, corrupted lake. Um, no. Right now, right now, fans of the book are going. You're an idiot. How do you not
0: know this? I we've we've no, you're not. We we've all consumed so much Star Wars that we forget more than we know. Um, we've got some regular standard questions that we ask, so sure. we can do those. Um, D Doc, why don't you hit him with Brent's typical question?
2: I'm screwing up my muting, <clears throat> so uh. There's a little bit of a funny story uh, that goes along with us. It has to do with uh, Count Dooku's lightsaber hilt and the curve. And I know that I think, what did he say that Joe would call you, you guys would call Count Dooku stumpy, I'm pretty sure. Stumpy, yeah. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, uh, his hilt used to be made fun of, which I actually do like his hilt. So we'd like to ask people what their favorite lightsaber hilt in Star Wars is when they come on Rule of the Galaxy podcast.
3: wow. I mean, I don't know if I would have a favorite hilt, but for me, one of the things that I, and I think it's a little bit touched on in the Bane novels, uh, the idea of having like a unorthodox hilt is an advantage because to me, what you see in a, in a lightsaber duel is the surface of an ocean. And there's so much going on beneath because you gotta remember the force allows you to look into the future, right? To To see things that haven't happened yet. And if both people are doing that constantly, you're sort of seeing, hundred potential moves that you could do your opponent could do they could counter and you could counter there's all this going on. plus you're both using the force to make sure the other guy doesn't turn off your lightsaber right everyone's like why don't they just use the lightsaber to turn the other saber off i'm like because they're not dumb and the other person's thought of that and some of your energy is always going into keeping the other person from messing with your stuff right don't let them untie your shoelaces don't let her <laughs> you know don't let her make your uh, make your fly come down so you have to zip it up in the middle of a fight it's like you're constantly Doing all the stuff below the surface. So something as small as having a, a, a strange handle that you hold differently just messes it up because when there's so much going on, you start to fall into patterns and you're like, okay, they're they're flexing their muscles to this way on the fingers, which means they're going to try this move. But if it's a configuration of a handle you haven't seen before, it could give you the tiniest advantage. It's like being a left-hander in in a lot of these sports, tennis or boxing or anything like that. Being a lefty just throws people so i mean i totally ducked your question but for me it's it's always a fascinating way to look at it um because i'm like people are like well that makes no sense i'm like yeah but maybe there's an advantage to this thing maybe it throws the opponent off
0: <laughs> okay we can live with that alfie go ahead
4: wasn't that the whole point i was trying to make the day of like the 500 text messages about palpatine's fighting style <laughs>
0: You did jump yes, into that quite absolutely. a bit, yes, and and it was an awkward one. And that slow motion spin should not have killed anyone, but I don't think they were expecting the slow motion spin, so that's what got everyone. So I agree, Alfie. I'm I'm one hundred in fighting with the tip, and of the, the tip, lightsaber, which we did a lot
1: out. of stabbing, a lot yeah. of stabbing.
0: Yes, and and Ray repli- did a replica of that at the end of Force Awakens. If I'm not mistaken, yes. Correct? So Fair enough, um, Drew is there a star Wars movie and is there a favorite star Wars character that brings you to star Wars that makes you think of star Wars? It's your like heart of star Wars.
3: I mean, again, being old school, I, I mean, I, I just think um, empire strikes back is just amazing. Um, it is also probably the darkest of the films, which is kind of right up my alley. I mean, the, the, you know, all my stuff is fairly dark. Um, and I'm just old school, like Darth Vader to me is the most iconic villain of our lifetimes. Like, you know, crossing, not just in science fiction, not just in movie, just crossing everything, right? Darth Vader, I mean, there's lots of other cool things in Star Wars, but Vader, Vader to me is just head and shoulders, not because he's seven feet tall, but head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, yeah, once you have Darth Vader, it's not really a fair contest. So if you take Vader out of the equation, and if you take all of my stuff out of the equation. Um, I mean, I actually, I actually liked uh, Daisy Ridley's character a lot. I thought she was a really interesting take on it, um, especially the first, the first movie. I really liked her character. What they did with her, um, you know, just felt really fresh, really different to me. Um, I was a big fan uh, of what they did there, um, and I really liked the idea of John Boyeva's character as well in that. Um, you know, especially coming off of the uh, kind of revelations, right word. But once it was like, yeah, they used to use clone troopers where everyone was literally a clone. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, various things happened. And, um, and now, you know, he's now they're raising them, raising children to be this. And, you know, he was born into this life. He had no choice. He became this. And now he's trying to step away from it. I, just a lot of interesting stuff going on there. And both of them are just re- I think, really strong actors as well
0: um anybody I, i've got a couple more questions anybody else have a question that i'm not hitting go ahead uh before i jump in on another one okay good go.
4: maybe i'm i was really far off on this but was it just me or the first time seeing the force awakens with kylo ren and daisy ridley as ray i seeing them together Immediately made me think of Basila Shan and uh, Darth Revan.
3: Hmm. That's interesting. A lot of I hadn't similarity. thought of that, but uh, I mean, the dynamic is similar. Probably, um, I think for me that the for me the big difference is at least in uh, in the way we presented them in the games was when you first meet Basila, she is the experienced one who is right. you know teaching and and instructing and you know, Revan is the one who doesn't know as much, which is kind of the flip side of, of the Kylo right. Daisy. Um, sorry, uh, Kylo Yeah, the, the, the story wasn't there quite yeah. so much, but just yeah. the visual,
4: you know, mm-hmm. when I saw yeah, the mask.
3: There, there probably was a, the visual did remind me, and and I, I think, I don't even think anyone's denied it. Like, Revan was inspired by Darth Vader, and then I think Kylo Ren was then inspired by Revan. So it's not like you know, I'm not going to say they ripped Revan off because Revan yeah. had a strong Vader inspiration. You know, it's all thematic, but I right. really, yeah. I want to be clear too a, that. I'm
4: not, you know, that's yeah. not big or anything. I yeah. just just, uh,
3: you know, yeah. growing no, up with that no, story, I saw every, it and I was like,
4: oh man, yeah. that is kind of what I want to see yeah. right there.
3: Yeah. When I saw Kylo Ren, I was like, oh wow, that is again, an homage to the Revan aesthetic. Right. Very um, much. I, I, I really, and I, again, I like that. I see that and I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's, yeah.
4: You
0: know, one one thing that, and it's not my question, but just a, an observation off of that discussion point, is this is a new trilogy, and here we are with a whole new group of fans that have entered Star Wars through this. I, personally, and I think all of us here on this podcast, really wish they were pushing Kylo slash Ben, uh, as far as books, comics, action figures, Ray after this as far as books comics action figures uh, alvy's mentioned it a few times before this this new trilogy did some really good marketing to to get it going but they've they've let a whole generation of people who were way into this just kind of let it it's it's like okay that trilogy's over we're going to put the marketing away for any of those characters I, I don't know if you feel the same way or not but i you know i watched the original trilogy and let's face it there was not a downtime from 1977 through 1985 and even then they were like can we make something else work can we make something else work um so i don't know just an observation off that real quick uh do if you had comments great if not i got a question for you so go ahead yeah
3: i mean i do i do find it interesting that you know with all the things they're doing all the tv series and 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 everything that's rumored to be out even i haven't really heard anything about either one of those characters in any way mm-hmm. right and so i you know there's something to what you say they're they're almost trying to I don't, know, I, don't, I don't want to say distance themselves from them, but they've they set them aside for so, whatever reason. That's, again...
1: I agree, Drew. I think they're scared to touch them.
3: <laughs>
1: I, think, I think there's some fear of, man, we're going to piss everybody off again if we jump in and we start touching these characters again. And mm-hmm. so we'll do something that will say... You know, it's like when Kathleen Kennedy came out and said, you know, we're going to do more with these characters in the future. But it's kind of like... Um, like, yeah, we're driving your dog up. Like, the dog's going to go up to go to the farm, you know, somewhere out there. And <laughs> you know, I'm hoping that's not true, but it kind of feels that way. Go ahead, D-Doc. Uh,
2: I mean, I have kids, so I don't know if you guys – I know some of you guys have watched the Lego um specials, but they mm-hmm. do really bring Ray and Poe and everybody back in those <clears throat> Lego specials. And I think that's because they're just like – they're going to make a fun lego special and i think they let the creators just do what they want with it essentially um and basically like it's almost like what drew was talking about with kotor how they pretty much let them write it and it turned out to be something that people still talk about today years later it's like i think when it comes to movies they're so controlling of narrative and and you know direction and creative differences and all that stuff where it's like sometimes you just got to let people create something mm-hmm. and you can have something great when it's all said and done i mean i think that's what they do with these lego mm-hmm. things and when they bring ray and finn and everybody in and I, that's why they use those characters I want to know how
3: lego gets the deal mm-hmm. they get because like when they did that lego movie and it's like okay you have batman and darth vader <laughs> all like hanging around together i mean there was i mean i think there was characters in there too like it's just everybody i'm like how did you get away with that how do you how do you get the rights to all this i'm like what is going on here oh gandalf i think was in it i think there's a gandalf in there i'm just like yep what how does lego get away with this
1: i could never do that to your point enter the last jedi right enter the last jedi we're going to let somebody go create something and do something different and then it goes Mm. off the rails and the fan base revolts and now we're currently where we're at (laughs) now we're in this mire of uncertainty where we don't know what to do and who to go to and this is where again not just because we have drew on the show but i would say let's go to something that we know that hits something that doesn't (laughs) land in the timeline we're gonna push yes we're gonna push for that
0: we're gonna i I think we're gonna give me some bane
1: that's
4: right alfie go ahead movies aside you know i would just like and I've said it, you you said it, and you know, I've said it enough times. There's characters in these stories that you know kids really like, that we really like, and to just mm-hmm. stop supporting them, you know, why is there not, has there not been a Ray Skywalker figure? Why is there no Ben Solo figure? We all played with the Luke Skywalker lightsaber as a kid. Why is there not a yellow kids?
0: Yeah, like the expensive one. The expensive ones out, yeah.
4: yeah. Um, not everything has to be 250 dollars, and they only make 500 of them you
2: know a, we
4: can and we get this argument all the time people say kids don't play with toys but if you don't make the toys they never have a chance to play with them
0: i i feel like me bringing up that little segment was steve Glosson jumping in and and derailing us all so i apologize but yes good points by all um Drew, I have some favorite characters, and I'll probably butcher their names, but but I was reading them, I've listened to them, but you know how this thing goes, I'm 51, I forget what I had to eat yesterday, um, but some between Revan and between Bane, obviously I told you, uh, Farfalla and Hoth, two of my very favorites, uh, I again, I want their action figure, I think, um, what was his Padawan, uh, uh, Johan, Johan, I think, Johan. Was the oh, one, yeah, uh, who Farfalla took over after his man after Hoth died. Um, so those three, as far as Jedi, but in the Bane, in the Bane series, Caleb, Sarah, and Lucia, mm-hmm. those three characters, was there any, anything that made you create or think about these characters? Because in a world where we have Jedi and Sith killing each other, you have these three normal humanoid characters who. Don't have jedi powers don't have sith powers but they're very important to the story was there any anything that brought you to those or did you just feel like they were a good part of the story or, or tell us a little bit about those characters so
3: the the caleb character first appeared in those comics um the scene where uh where bane threatens his daughter uh happened there and i i from the comics i thought that was such an interesting character because he's a character that has a different kind of power and strength um like the, the power to heal bane um tries to resist uh, isn't able to and I was like oh that's really interesting and then I kind of put that in the back of my head and I was like okay what can come up later and I mean I hadn't planned out the second or third book when I wrote the first book when I wrote the second book I hadn't planned out the third book I just as a writer I, I feel like there's always books I can go back to and um you know taking the Caleb character and looking at uh you know where do I go with this and then thinking oh there was this daughter and You know, probably wants revenge. Like I'm like, so what? How do you get revenge against the Sith when you're just a person, right? Right. Um. So I I I found that was an interesting idea, and then of course that's a a fairly integral part of the third book. Um. So yeah, I I just found that character really intriguing, and uh, you know, I mean, if I was in the Star Wars universe, I'm not I'm not going to be a bounty hunter. I'm not going to be a Sith Lord. I'm not going to be a Jedi. I mean, even if I had the power, I don't have the discipline to do any of this. So I'm like, what, what do I do in that universe? How do I get by? So right. sometimes I like to imagine just the ordinary person um, and see how they fit in among these, you know, larger than life galaxy shaping figures. Uh,
0: and, and Lucia, if I'm not mistaken, she was with the Gloomwalkers with, was she not the, the military member who was his, in his crew in the first book? I believe so. Now I'm trying to
3: recall the names.
0: She she became the yeah. bodyguard for Sarah in the third yeah. book, but she was a military person with Bane in the first book. Right. in the, Yeah. And as you brought as- it all the way back around to the third book, having a character who knew him from that time. Mm-hmm. Again, sorry to pick your brain on it, but yeah. <laughs> just, there were characters that stood out to me quite a bit. I don't know if you guys, Nick and Alfie, remember those characters that much, but they they to, I'm a big believer that if you can write a movie or a book and wrap something in from the first to the third, it's like stranger things, what they've done this season to where they're basically rehashing seasons one, two, three, and wrapping every storyline up in season four. To me, that's, that's wonderful storytelling. That's great TV or book or movie making. That's what you did in this When I saw Caleb and Sarah come back in two and three Lucia come back around my personal opinion was, okay, you, you're exactly right. You probably didn't have this plan when you wrote book one, but right. to weave it back in in book two or book three, it it just wrapped everything together even more for me. You know, so that's just my two cents. And then the character from Darth Bane, and again, I, I apologize if I butcher it, uh, Candoris Ordo or Candoris Ordo, oh, Candoris, Candoris yeah. Ordo, the the Mandalorian mercenary. Uh, again, as Nick mentioned earlier, I think a character like that being mentioned, the mask being mentioned, something like that in a Mandalorian series would just blow people's socks off. They'd have to go read these books because of that, right? So any anything that brought you to him or or any thoughts? Well, or- Candice
3: was a big part of our, uh, our uh, KOTOR um, storyline, uh, the game, from the video game go. as well. Um, so a character that a lot of people really connected with and, you know, was our into the Mandalorian culture, uh, which, you know, obviously, you know, it's one of the non-Sith, non-Jedi, probably the most popular non-Sith, non-Jedi oh, yeah. aspect of Star Wars, if I had to guess. Um, so that was just, you know, our way. And I wanted to, you know, tie that in and, and you know, stick with that. Um, and again, showing sort of, you know, even if you don't have force powers in me, explicit jedi sith way you could still be very powerful and influential and impactful um you know i mean depending on the arguments you read (laughs) the force manifests in different ways and you know there's always this i love this fan theory that like who's the most powerful force user you're like it might be han solo because look (laughs) at all the crazy lucky things (laughs) like it's not just luck there's something else going on he just might be this intuitive force user doesn't even know he's literally like i don't believe in that you know funky religions and hokey religions yep. but things work out for him he just he's like i'll make up a plan as i like, go and i'll figure it out and you're like well maybe that's the force working through you Han huh? like um Love. so you know i kind of like that little fan theory that he might be the most powerful force user in the galaxy just doesn't know it
0: <laughs> i i think it's absolutely great uh, i've been monopolizing nick ddoc alfie Any questions? I I do have another follower follower who brought some things up, but go ahead, Nick.
1: No, I was just going to comment, and I think the beauty of being able to... I thought that was one of my favorite parts of the three-part trilogy was being able to loop in characters that we saw from the beginning that kind of feel like throwaway characters, right? So, like, when he's part of... Again, I love a good origin story, Mm -hmm. so to take, you know, Des all the way back to... Um, Cordis where it, Cordis I think is the right word right or the right planet where uh, he's the mining the mining world yeah the mining mm-hmm. planet. you know and to take him all the way from like here's where he's starting to figure out that he has it and then he comes in touch with the Gloomwalkers. for me like that was one of the coolest parts of that story and then to get all the way into book three and to go wait a minute hang on same people that are coming around I just, to me it was again this is probably my favorite trilogy so I'll just level it level with that and say that I'm pumped that man we could take somebody from the beginning when and again that idea of you know I'm I am going ai I'm I'm fighting against the orders that I've been given mm-hmm. and I'm pushing through it and I'm you know circumnavigating my commander because, man, we're going to kill everybody in our unit if we keep doing what we're doing. Instead, let me just use the Force and do what we're doing. To me, I thought that was such a cool, uh, cool narrative line. And then to tie that character in, I thought was great.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Okay, so this, this is our last, our last group of questions. What I want to do, Drew, you tell me. We're, we're, obviously, you said we're a very Star Wars-based show. Um, Lady Phoenix on, on Twitter great oh my gosh she she hit us with three or four questions i'm gonna look through it real quick one she wanted me to to say that you are her number one author she she loves what you do um she had questions about mass effect uh andromeda she had questions about shepherd she had um she had uh, questions about oh what is your basic format of writing a novel there we go you know what that one i feel like goes right into being able to answer here
3: So for me, I'm, they always joke about, I I only recently learned this. They say, are you a pantser or a planner? Do you fly by the seat of your pants or do you plan it? (laughs) And I'm a planner. I plan it out. Like I do an outline. I go chapter by chapter. I figure out every scene. Um, Doing that lets me really get a lot of little details in that I can then loop in later. Um, So that's one of the reasons I feel I am reasonably good at tying in all these like extra things because I've done planning. Even if I haven't planned out the next book, I put a lot of time and effort into the little pieces in ways that as a writer, I know I can bring them back later potentially. I I see what these are. Um, you know, not everybody does that. Uh, I mean most famously Stephen King has said, you know, I get an idea and I sit down, and I start writing, and I just see where it goes. Wow. Um, and you know, he's been pretty successful. I don't think you can argue with the the methodology. Um, but for me, I have to really plan things out. And, uh, and I do that with any, any kind of story project, whether it's a game, whether it's a, a book. Obviously, as you start writing it, you're going to make edits and changes and things will get tweaked and, and worked. But I, I won't really start writing until I'm confident I know where I want to end up and I know mostly how I'm going to get there.
0: Okay. That's, that's very cool. Guys, again, I'm a monopolizer. I don't want to keep Drew much longer. So I want to Anything you've got, because we've all praised and said how much
2: we love the book. So I want to make sure we get the right questions in. Go, D-Doc. So I have to ask, because as I said, I'm newer to the EU, but the Sabacc, uh portion of Path oh. of Destruction. So now that I'm hearing that you're such a a fan of Vegas, did you really take advantage of that section? Because I got to say, I was so lost in that. I felt like I was in casino Royale when I was. whole did. I did.
3: And a lot of, a lot of people have commented on that. And that was sort of my first like insider look. Like I played a lot of poker. I played a lot of blackjack. I played a lot of games. Uh, I actually designed the Pazak game in KOTOR. That was me. I invented that. I came up with the rules. I came up. I mean, I didn't program it into the game because I'm not a programmer but all the design of the game how it worked was was mine um for SABAC I kind of looked and found as many of the rules as I could that existed and then I'm like now how do I make a high stakes game of this um this is the kind of thing you'll also see in Time Kings of Las Vegas because I you know I really know the ins and outs of casinos and games and how they work and card counting and all the little fun background stuff and you know every scam that's been pulled on casinos. If you want something interesting, look up Phil Ivey and um, baccarat. There's a whole thing where he was able to find a a, a legal way to sort of manipulate baccarat with uh, oh. to the tune of several million dollars. Um, I think I saw a documentary on that. Was there a documentary on that? Yes, I believe there was. I believe I there I was. Um, so yeah, for me, I I, I love gambling and games of chance and the psychology of it all and the psychological warfare again a big part of the time kings of las vegas novel the new one on the kickstarter um the Sabak was sort of uh honestly probably my favorite scene to write and i was like ah, everyone's gonna hate this nobody wants to read star wars about essentially you know poker i mean that's kind of what it is right it's the star wars version of high stakes poker but i was like ah, i'll just write it because i want to write it i like it and then it's it resonated with a lot of people so I don't yeah. know if that means we're all just gambling addicts, or if it's just like people <laughs> see how much I enjoy it and they pick up on that. Um, but I, I appreciate you calling that out because I, like I say one of my favorite yeah, that, scenes ever. That's
2: ended. one of uh, that's one of my memorable parts so far because just because the whole atmosphere of how the scene is written. I mean, you're in his head. You can envision how the uh, Republic trooper who was getting a little out of sorts in it, getting a little angry at him. That you know he was going high stakes at the end. I don't know. It was just it was good because it's not like it, it's a star Wars book where some of your best action is not just a lightsaber battle. It's two guys playing a card game, basically. So yeah. And I, not and I, out with that. I
0: would say this, you know, people talk about all the time, the best star Wars, right? What, what means star Wars? Like when people will watch currently the Mandalorian or book of though that feels star Wars, right? Um, that, that Sabax scene right there, the Xana mind games, when she's inside that palace, um, the the scene where, um, I'm blanking it now. Oh, when the Jedi try to kill Bane and Xana and they put the guy in the closet, mm. and then Bane almost kills himself with force lightning. Um, those scenes right there, the battle between Xana and, and Bane towards the end, to me, those feel as much Star Wars as the Star Wars we see in movies and in the a- animated series in the streaming. I, I don't know if you guys agree with me or not, but the reason it's so great is it just feels real it feels like it's part of the whole you know the it's ingrained in it so i want to tell you thanks for that because to me when you can say that and look at that it's like wow i mean something's just in a book of a character that mostly people played a game know about or whatever means that much or it's that cool that's a pretty cool thing so thanks for that um alfie sorry
4: Yeah, uh, just like you were saying, feels like Star Wars Uh, going back to playing Knights of the Old Republic the first time. It's all new. And then you see like T3M4, you know, this little robot who's is completely new, but it is Star Wars because it makes sense that that would be a thousand year old R2D2. And, you know, I just got to say, you know, in the factory I work, we have these little scissor lifts and I think about that robot like every day because we have like a hundred of these little things and they go up and down just like the, you know, in the game. But, um, yeah, that's one thing I really like to me that felt like star Wars. And, you know, you guys keep saying, you know, seeing these little Mandalorian nuggets maybe showing up in the Mandalorian at some point, the whole deal with the Imperial labs in, in this story, I, I would love to see like the Raccoon show up, you know, the Raccoon virus. That would be awesome, you know, in some you know secret Imperial virus laboratory somewhere. You know, just a really scary like one shot <laughs> Mandalorian episode. Right. I think would be awesome.
0: Well, I um, I tell you what, I've I've kind of fan fanboyed out. I I apologize. I'm sitting there praising everybody here and 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 Drew. I mean, it's because you're here with us we've kind of done all the questions or anything Is there besides the the time kings of las vegas are there things about star wars or about your writing or any upcoming projects that you want to hit us with and and it could be the time kings of las vegas but i want to make sure we allow you to hit on some of the topics you want to hit on before before we shut things down tonight
3: yeah i mean uh no i think we mostly hit it i mean obviously yeah <clears throat> people check out the kickstarter Um, not just for the book, but also get some great Mass Effect and Star Wars collectible merchandise, you know, um, autographed, personalized, you know, (laughs) do all that. Um, You know, I'm I'm currently working at Archetype Entertainment, a a new video game studio. Um, We are working on a a new science fiction uh, IP, a new science fiction franchise that we're creating. I can't say any more than that, Um, but it's going to be an amazing, I mean, the talent we have at our studio, uh, a lot of people I've worked with over the years. um, It's really going to be something that I can't wait till we start showing and releasing stuff. People are going to be blown away. So, you know, if you're a fan of my games, you got that. If you're a fan of my books, you got Time Kings and and the Kickstarter. Um, If you're a fan of anything of me that's not my books or games, that's a little weird. I wonder what's going on there, but that's okay.
0: Hey, real quick, Hmm. you were on Jeopardy?
3: I was on Jeopardy, yes. This was uh, back in, I think, in 99, I was on Jeopardy.
1: Uh,
3: wow. It might have aired in 2000. They, they recorded them a little bit in advance. I think I was there December 99. Um, it, was, uh, it was a blast. I had a great time. Uh, I was I was leading after the first round. I was doing great. Um, I'm just going to give you my stand. I tell this to everyone. The thing you don't know about Jeopardy is it's all about the buzzer. And it's not how fast you are on the buzzer. It's how well your timing is because most people don't know this, but uh, you can't see it on TV, but there's a little light off the side of the stage, a little tiny bulb and they start reading the question or Alex, you know, rest in peace. He would start reading the question and you would look at it and go, okay, I know that. And your brain knows the answer before he's finished reading because he's talking at a slower Mm -hmm. pace and you want to buzz in, but that little light hasn't come on. And if you buzz in, you're locked out and you can't buzz in again. Oh. If you ever watch the game, you see people doing this all the time and it's because they buzzed in too fast. So you read the, you see the question, then you look at the light and you're waiting for the light to come on and everybody's waiting and you're all just sitting there waiting for the light. And it's really hard. It's like a sprinter doing a false start. It's really hard not to jump. You're nervous, <laughs> you're tense. And I got a little jumpy and I just could not time my buzzer. And that's that's what happened. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Um, but it was fun. It was a blast. Uh, yeah, had a great time. You know, I, I had been in LA uh, on a different thing. And then back then you had to go to LA to do the, the qualifying test that I qualified and they said, we'll contact you down the road. Called me about a month later and said, hey, you want to be on the show? You scored really well on the test. Um, I was a trivia nerd back then. I still am. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it was, a, it was a lot of fun. Had a great time.
0: Good, good. Well, we'll go around the horn here real quick and shut things down. Alfie let's start with you. Alfie any closing thoughts on on the show and and anything going on right now?
4: Yeah, just thank you so much for being here and talking. Uh, I know I talked about the video game a lot, and I apologize for that, but I really just blew me away. I knew these guys would talk about the book, so I was trying to hit that. I just it's an awesome game, and I still play it, it. It all
3: started with the game, man. If I didn't, if I wasn't on Kotor, I would have never got the chance to do Darth Bane. So you you talk about origin stories.
0: There you go. There you go. D-Doc, how about you, brother?
2: Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you joining us, Drew. And I mean, <clears throat> I'm currently thoroughly enjoying your books right now. And uh, I hope uh, I hope Disney knows to reach out to you in the future for <laughs> certain storytelling, because, I mean, you're great. It really is great. It's just, it's character building. It's world story building. It's great. So yeah. thank you for joining us.
3: Well, from From your lips to the mouse's ears, that's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs>
2: nick shesky how about you brother
1: no i i i agree i say the same thing and really you know we talk a lot on the show about headcanon and you know you ask me drew some of the finest star wars that i know is uh you know bane with the creatures when he's trying to get to the other planet uh oh, yeah. you know flying yeah. on top of the, you, you know what i'm saying like all these little moments uh, that to me are just some of the greatest Star Wars that are out there. So just thanks for being on with us, and I know I fanboyed. I feel like Chris Farley on that Saturday Night Live sketch. Uh, you know that was awesome. You know that's how I feel tonight. So I appreciate you being on with us, and it's so nice to get to know you a little bit more. Well, thanks. It's great, great being here with yeah, all y'all,
0: Nick. All y'all. There we go. We're all getting y'all. the we're getting the uh, Austin, Texas vibe right there. Um, Drew probably out of everybody, I've fanboyed the most out of it, and I, and I can't help it. I, uh, it, you know, for me, my son and I started this podcast two and a half years ago. He's gotten pulled in different directions, and and this crew right here, and Brent and a few others have been my my go to guys, and it's been uh, it's just been great to be a part of this. So to have somebody who's in the time frame that we've built this podcast, and and then read these books and listen to these books. Uh, have you on and to have you interact with us means means the world to us, and uh, I think I think like you mentioned earlier, if we get a chance to uh, head to Vegas, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely let you know so we can try yeah. to get you when you're there. And uh, you know, we really appreciate it. And I I would highly suggest everybody look. I, I've I've uh, heck, we didn't even talk about some of your other books, but you've got other books here uh even other star wars books um you know so we we could have talked about those but anybody who's read your books needs to go check out the kickstarter for time kings of las vegas i know i'm going to go in there and see what level i'm going to get because <laughs> i i've got a book signed by timothy zahn i need to get a book signed by you um awesome. so but thank you very much hopefully we can do this again or maybe we can meet up at, at one of the future conventions or something like that and and taking grab you a drink or something like that because it would mean mean a lot to us so thank you again.
3: All right, thank you.
0: No worries. So everybody, um, as you can tell, we've, we've kind of fanboyed out for for an hour and a half. Uh, Drew was kind enough to be with us. Thanks for being a part of, of chapter 152 of Rule the Galaxy. Uh, we hope you you enjoy this. We hope you'll be along for the ride. Uh, the rest of the way, we've got some great guests coming on, some great hosts and co-hosts going to be taking over for me when I'm not around. Uh, so thanks so much. And you know the spiel. Brent, I'm not going to do it. We went long tonight. So if you're listening, not going to hit all of them again. You know where to find it. Just rule the galaxy everywhere. And you know what? Until next week, may the force be with you.